Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I'm also glad to be in the Word. I'm also glad to, to, to have access to the Word and have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that's flowing in our ministry and in this congregation through these pastors as it is. The Lord's been showing us wonderful things through this series of messages called The Gates. As you see by the graphic there, we've taken you through the sheep gate, the fish gate, which Pastor Eric did, and of course, the old man preached on the old gate and the valley gate. Of course, then the young man preached on the dung gate. <laughs> thought that was really appropriate. And the fountain gate. I think you talked about the spirit there. You know, you need to get some things out of your life and some things into your life. And that's what those two things really represent. Today we're going to be talking about the Watergate. This has nothing to do with the scandal of Richard Nixon. Nothing whatever. And the Horsegate. That has nothing to do with Secretariat, although, although I really did enjoy that, that animal. The Watergate and the horse gate. Really important moments in this third chapter of Nehemiah, and I'll ask you to turn there. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 26. Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going to read three verses. Can we get it on the big screen, please? Nehemiah 3.26 says, Moreover, the Nethanim dwelt in Ophel unto the place over against the water gate toward the east and the tower that lieth out. After them, the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out, even unto the wall of Ophel. From above the horse gate repaired the priests, every one over against his house. Father, we thank you today for these stops along the way as we're studying the gates of your city. I thank you, Lord, for these, your people here in Jesus' name. But as we study these gates together, we can hear what it is you want instituted in our lives, not just walls built, but places where we traverse, places where we come and go in the kingdom, places where we do business, places where we meet others, places where our lives have exchange from inside the church to out there in the world. Help us, Father, to be established in these truths today as we study the Word of God concerning what the water gate means to us and what the horse gate means to us. And for that, we'll expect supernatural understanding to come. Thank you that you grant your people a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen. amen. Well, the water gate means one thing. It means the Word of God. You want to talk about the fountain, about the Spirit. 
And, and all through the scriptures, the water is used for different kinds of symbols. But the greatest symbol I find that the water is used for to symbolize is the Word. Ephesians chapter 5. Take your Bible quickly and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to do some topical study out of this expository passage. Take you to a lot of scriptures today. It's just important to do. When they tell us that we need the water gate, they're telling us that we need something that's going to flow into our lives. Hallelujah. You don't just need a bite here and there of the word. You need a flow of the word in your life. Amen. Well, somebody told me one time, say, I heard that faith message. They wanted to move on to something else. I said, if you heard the faith message and you want to move on to something else, you didn't really hear it. Because this is not just a faith message that created a faith movement. This is a faith life. God intends on all believers to live by faith, to walk by faith, to have their entire being consumed with faith. Hallelujah. You pick your favorite subject. I, I've taken a few people through this kind of study. Just pick your favorite subject. I don't care what it is. Any, any subject you have in the New Testament. And, and faith will be there nearly ten times more. It's there like four or five times more than love. How big a message is that? I mean, is it, hasn't God always loved us? But it wasn't love that saved us. Not really. It was faith that connected us to God's unmerited favor and love. The only way faith co love comes to you is if you believe God for it. Amen. Amen. It's not going to do you any good that God loves you and you go to hell anyway. Is this too deep? No, it only does you good to know God loves you and experience God's love when you believe your way out. Of hell, when you believe your way out of trouble, so that the love of God can actually be there to deliver you. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. What a wonderful, wonderful portion of scripture. We're going to read three verses here. Ephesians 5 25 says, Husbands, love your wives. All the women said, Amen. Husbands, love your wives. But that's not really what I want to talk about. This next part's what I want to talk about. Even as Christ also loved the church. This is axiomatic in nature. means it works everywhere. Christ loved his church and gave himself for it. Look at verse 26. Now, see, instantly your mind goes to the crucifixion. He gave himself for the church. Instantly your mind goes to the cru crucifixion. Then, then look what it says here. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. By what he said. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The water of the word. I mean, let me tell you something. If you don't get the word working in your life, you can try to be clean, but you'll never be clean. The only water in the kingdom that cleanses is the water of the Word. Your mind trashy? Get on the Word. You're watching something on television you ought not to be watching? Don't just turn it off. Turn the channel. Because if you turn it off, instantly you're going to start replaying it in your mind. Turn the channel. Pastor John's over there preaching someplace. Creflo Dollar's over there preaching somewhere. Kenneth Copeland's over there preaching. Mike Simon is over there preaching someplace. Find somebody 
who's preaching the Word of God and let that wash your mind. Amen. Yeah. Don't go to bed being disgusted. Just turn that thing off. That's just going to keep playing in your head. Change the channel. Change the channel. Get something else going. Get, pick up your Bible. If you turn it off, pick up your Bible and get the Word working. And do something to wash that out. Did you hear me? You know, you hear, you hear things on your job. I don't know if, you, if, if all of you work with perfect Christians. Evidently not. But if you don't work with people who love God and walk by faith and live holy lives, there's a real good chance you hear unholy things. Is this the right church? On a weekly basis, on a daily basis, you hear unholy things being said. Don't tell me you don't need the Word working in your life. A flow of the Word working in your life. You need it. Take it all that junk washed out. I mean, you're in charge of whether or not you wash your brain. I actually had somebody say that about me to somebody else one time. They said, oh, holler, he's just brainwashed. And they came and told me that they said that. I said, you know what you need to do? Go back and tell them they're exactly right. My brain was filthy and it needed washing. Hallelujah. If your brain's dirty, it needs to be washed. And there's just one way to get it washed. Just one way to get your mind washed is with the Word. You can try all, all the things you want to to get that fixed. It's never going to get fixed. Well, I read this book, and I read that book, and I read this book, and I read that book, but none of them are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 and 2 3 John, Jude, the Revelation. Just wanted you to know I could do it. The names of the books you read ought to be something like that. Yeah. Come on, can I get a good amen here? That yeah. he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You're going to be clean one way by the word. Well, I hear, I hear the dumbest things come out of people's mouths. Well, this persecution really, it's, it's a purifying fire. It is not a purifying fire. Persecution is sent by the devil to destroy you. It is sent by the devil to destroy you. Sickness is sent by the devil to destroy you. Poverty is sent by the devil to destroy you. Brokenness is sent by the devil to destroy you. You want to be clean? You get clean by the word. He sanctified you and cleansed you by the promises he made. And right this minute, you're sitting here getting clean. I don't care if you didn't take a bath before you came to church. If you hadn't had a bath in a week, but you showed up here at church, your body might be filthy, but your brain's going to be clean. Your mind's going to be clean before you leave here today. Because the Word will change things for you. The Word works. I mean, it really does work. It is the cure for what ails you. People get funny ideas about things. I'm going to look right in this camera. And Jeremy, when you come to this piece, this has to be edited out. Do not put this on television, son. Okay. I was in Dallas, Texas a few years ago at Christ for the Nations, and Tommy Barnett showed up there and told a story. You all know it's going to be good if I don't want it on TV, right? <laughs> Tommy Barnett shows up there, and he's, going, he's telling a story about Jan Crouch. Don't you just love Jan pink hair Crouch? <laughs> I love that pink hair of hers. I don't know. I didn't know women could grow pink hair, but she does. 
A lovely, a lovely darling soul she is. But they were having a big event, nationwide event, their praise-a-thon, you know, where they raise money and share. I think that's what they call it, praise-a-thon. And it had cameras set up and split screens so they could see Tennessee and someplace in Florida and Dallas and, and Los Angeles where all of their TV studios are. And they had people there at all of them. Well, Brother Tommy Barnett was with Jan in Los Angeles. Now, all during this Praise-a-thon week, they'd been having outreaches in the various places. And one of those places, uh, one of those outreaches they had was, was to a biker gang, a biker rally that they'd had in Southern Cal. And, and uh, they'd won some people to the Lord. And they brought one of those people that they'd won to the Lord before the television cameras. They brought this lady before the TV cameras, and she had tattoos overlapping her tattoos. And she had piercings everywhere, and she was one more rough gal. She lived a life of crime, a life of sin, a life of, well, everything that wasn't good. She'd, she'd been there and done it for many years. But when she heard the message of Christ and His saving power, she got born again. She believed it, and she got born again. I mean, and with tears, they brought her out there, and she began to tell her story of the weight of sin that was upon her. How many of you remember the day sin left you? Glory to God. I mean, that weight and guilt was lifted off you, and nobody could have done it but Jesus. Amen. And that's the things, that kind of things that she was saying, just talking about how good God had been to her and how he, Jesus came into her life and drove away her darkness. Glory be to God. And they were shouting and praising God and having such a great time, and Jan was having a great time with them. And finally, the lady got through with her testimony, and Jan took that. Well, she didn't take the microphone for her because she was, she, she was pinned on with a mic, had one pinned on. And Jan said, oh, hallelujah, take that, devil. Just take that, devil. Oh, oh, don't you just hate the devil. We want a trophy here for Jesus. Oh, take that, devil. I think we ought to just curse the devil, don't you? Now, that's not something you talk about to a brand new baby in the Lord who spent her entire life making up cuss words. I think, well, just curse the devil. She looked right at that camera and said, okay. And I mean, she commenced to call the devil every dirty, rotten, filthy name there was. She cussed him up one side and down the other. I mean, they were looking through the profane dictionary trying to find the words that she was. It was bad. And the thing was, you don't expect that sort of thing to come out over, over Christian television. So it took the, the guys back there in the booth by surprise. And a whole bunch of that went out live over Christian television. Hallelujah. Before they got to pushing the button, you know, the sensor button. And after it was over, and I mean, you know, there was this sort of a, almost a blue fog that had developed from the way she was talking to the devil. Jan looks into that camera and said, well... Yeah, everything she said is the truth. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good recovery. You know, I mean, if you, if you just let words come out of your mouth, you don't know what's going to happen. You can't just let any kind of words come out of your mouth because things will start happening around you that you really don't want to happen. I mean, there's no, there's no slide on anybody there. But we, we, we tend to just say things because it sounds like it's the right thing to say. You know, a guy came to Jesus in, in Mark chapter 9, and he said, he said Lord, <laughs> my son, he's epileptic. I wish you, if, you know, if there's anything you could do, if there's anything you could do, please have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said, if you can believe, 
All things are possible to him that believes. You know what Jesus is saying without saying it? What do you mean if there's anything I can do? My power ought not to be in question here. Almighty God in the flesh. My power is not in question here. What you'll believe for is what's in question here. We're going to talk about that a little later. But people tend to just, you know, they beg God and just pray. Oh, God, would you do something? And the Bible teaches us clearly that this is the kind of righteousness that is man-made. This is the kind of righteousness that people get. If we could just get God, if we could just move the hand of God some way, they say. But the truth is, the righteousness which is of faith does not talk like that. It does not say in your heart, oh, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. I mean, the righteousness which is not of faith, which is not righteousness at all, it's man-made. It's always trying to get Jesus to do something. Instead of the righteousness which is of faith that acknowledges what Jesus has already done. What he's going to do is not that important as what he's already done. Glory be to God. He's already provided for your healing. He's already provided for your prosperity. He's already provided for your victory. And 1 John 5, 4 says it like this. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Jesus, you stay seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You stay there, sir. I'm here as your emissary. I'll act on your part. The power of God's going to manifest, but I don't need you to do anything. Thank you for faith. Thank you for your word. And most of all, thank you for your name. Uh, they won't know the difference between me and you before this day is out. Woo! That's the truth. You are full of this word for a reason. You have to have the water gate on your life because until you get convinced that you are clean, you won't act like you're clean. Until you get convinced of how righteous the Word has made you, you won't act like it. I talk to people all the time who are trying not to sin. And I pat them on the shoulder and say, well, God bless you. How's it going? Well, it ain't working very good at all. I'm trying. Okay. How long have you been trying? Well, I've been trying to walk this walk for 10 years. And it's, not, it's still not working? No. But I'm trying, Pastor. I'm telling you, I'm trying. Okay. You're trying. Maybe you should stop trying. Well, then I'd just go to hell. But it's dry. Really? Your salvation is dependent on how well you perform? I got off that slime gut wagon a long time ago. I got off that stinking train years ago. I just decided I was going to believe in somebody who had already won all the victory. Put my faith in him and something turned around for me. I mean... That other thing just makes you one of many religions. You're just like everybody else when you're trying. I stopped trying and arrested. Arrested. And he said, you want to be afraid? He said, fear that you don't enter into the rest. Fear that you're trying and it's not working. Because you're not entered into the rest of what the Word teaches you. You're going to get clean. It's going to be because the Word has access in your life to make you clean.
Oh, you ought to tell two or three people, you should be glad you're in church today. Tell somebody else, you should be glad you're in church today. See, because you're getting the word poured over your heart, over your mind. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it by the washing of water by the word. You don't even have to curse the devil. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. The word works. Word is a gate on your life so that the word of God can come in and that you can carry the word of God out. It, it is what changes the world. I've, I've learned this when, when, throughout the years. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big lover of the counseling ministry, but it's part of pastoral duty, so we do it. It's not something I really enjoy that much, but you know, I'd rather just have somebody take me to lunch. <laughs> Wouldn't you? But... Uh, I've done it, and, and I, with all my psychology training throughout these various degrees that I hold, I've not really found all that much that helps people. I'm not against anyone who's had psychology training and social training and various kinds, helping folks adapt and adjust. And I'm not against it. I'm just saying I found very little that helped people. One thing it did help me to do was often identify problems fairly quickly. Hey, here's the problem. <laughs> Got no idea what to do about it, but right there it is. I mean, that's kind of how I find psychology helpful. It identifies the problem, has no answers. But the Word of God does. I learn to listen to people, and they pour out their troubles. And I learn to just sit there and listen and let the Holy Ghost give me scriptures yeah. that answered the problems they're having. But I, I, you, try, you try to refrain from just spewing it at them the moment they say, well, you know, I've, I've had this problem. Well, the Bible says. I'm not talking about using it like a hammer, but, but, but I, I have learned that all of the difficulties that we face are addressed in the Word of God. And the only reason we haven't found the ones that are facing us on, a, on, any, on, a, on any given time is because we just hadn't studied the Word enough, haven't done what the Bible teaches and let that thing wash over us. You see, the image is water. The image is water. As though you're bathing in it. When Jews talk about water, they talk about water way more for bathing than they did for drinking. So we're talking about huge amounts of it. You've got to have a whole gate just to get the water in. Are you hearing me? They didn't want a whole bunch of other traffic on that gate. Don't want a whole bunch of other traffic on that gate. I don't think you ought to be reading too many books about the Bible. I, I, honestly, I don't. I think you ought to be reading the Bible. You may need some instruction on how to do that. So I tell some folks that, and the next thing I know, they've read Jeremiah four times. Oh, I just love that book. Well, okay, you can read Jeremiah, but make sure you're reading the Apostle Paul's work, the Apostle to you, the Gentiles. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? Make sure that we know what that man had to say, because Jesus told him what to tell us. So we might ought to know what he says first. This is good preaching if you ask me. But it will do things for you. I don't know if you've ever been dry and then instantly soaking wet. But I have on numerous occasions for one reason. 
because I had an older brother. I had, I had three powerful experiences, completely dry, completely wet, and completely angry. He could, he could just make it happen because he was so much bigger than me and pick me up and just drop me in water, fully clothed if he wanted to. Dry, wet, mad. God changed my life. Water can change you instantly. If you're trying to potty train your little boy to go, to go tinkle, huh, huh? Take him in the bathroom and he don't know what to do, he doesn't know what to do. Go turn a faucet on, he'll figure it out. Good nothing, it'll run just like the, the water works. How many, how many of you mamas tried that and it worked? Yeah, look at it. Telling you it works. Water impacts us. We have to have it in our lives. And the Bible teaches us that the Word of God is the water of Christian living. Can I have a good amen here? Amen. The Word of God is the water of Christian living for your life. I want you to move a little further with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to talk about the horse gate just for a few minutes. The horse gate. It goes hand in hand with the water gate. If you don't have a water gate, no need in having horses. They must have water. Horses depend on water. They depend on a lot of things. A city depends on water. We all depend on water. It's the life force. As the Word of God is your life force. Next gate, though, was the horse gate. This is powerful to me. Could we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 11 and 12? 1 Timothy 6, 11 says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight, the good fight of faith. It was like while he was listing all of these things, he didn't stop to preach on the others. He said, well, now that I mentioned faith, you see why I'm like this? You see why I can't hardly preach a message without saying something about faith? Because Paul couldn't. He lists all these wonderful virtues and he mentions faith in there and then he takes the only commentary he makes about the whole thing is about faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fighting the good fight of faith and a good profession. Fighting a good fight of faith and a good profession right here together. Fighting the fight of faith is indeed at its essence the use of the word of God in your own mouth. Not just letting the word in. Praise God. That works. Hearing the word brings faith. But in order for that faith to do something, to change the world, to change your life, to change your circumstances, you have to start saying what God has said to you. This is how you fight the good fight of faith. Some folks think spiritual warfare is, is, is this 
whole spooky realm that nobody can really know anything about. You've got to be out there in this realm uh, and, and doing this warfare and battle. And they don't even know what they're talking about most of the time. I've heard them preach it. I've, heard them, I, I've read their books. Most of it doesn't make any sense. Except for the people who talk about spiritual warfare being the use of the Word of God in your mouth. Let me ask you a question. If spiritual warfare is raging over every city in the country, like it's told us at times, let me ask you this question. Could it possibly be any more intense, any more aggressive, any hotter than when Mr. Big Daddy Devil himself showed up to talk to the God of the universe in the flesh in Matthew chapter 4? Would you say this would be a spiritual warfare moment or not? Mr. Big Daddy Devil never has come to your town. Probably not. Probably spends most of his time in the Middle East trying to set up things against Israel. Those little demons that show up at our place, they're sent out there by the big man. But they don't have a chance against people who know what real spiritual warfare is. Fight the good spiritual warfare of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Most of what's called spiritual warfare is nonsense. Spiritual nonsense. You're supposed to fight by faith. Screaming doesn't make it happen. Running around a room doesn't make it happen. Calling all kinds of devil's names doesn't make it happen. What makes it happen is a fight of faith. Jesus stood there. Mr. Big Daddy Devil, one you've probably never talked to or even seen, probably never been close to you, shows up to talk to him and says, oh, by the way, just I'm telling you, you do know that the devil is not omnipresent. He's an angel fallen. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. Demons are. Come on, get this out of your mind that he's the opposite of God. He's a created being. He is not the opposite of God. He'll never be as bad as God is good. Woo! Because if he's opposite, he's equal. He is nowhere near equal. He's a rebellious freak. So you fight. Do spiritual warfare. Fight the good fight of faith. I mean, here's the Apostle Paul telling Pastor Timothy what spiritual warfare is. It's a fight of faith. Oh, that means the words involved. And Jesus taught us. I mean, he just took on Mr. Big Daddy Devil himself to teach us how to take on all the other little devils. Yeah. The devil said, you know, aren't you hungry? Turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus just quoted the word of God. What? That Jesus, he don't know much about spiritual warfare. All he's doing is quoting from that old dusty book. <laughs> is this helping anybody today? You can take all that spookiness out of that stuff and just get a hold of the word. You see, if you're going to fight, you're going to need a horse gate. The horses are mentioned in this horse gate. I mean, this horse gate is mentioned... The, 
so that we'll see horses coming in and out. And horses in that day and time had to do with their warfare. They used oxen and other things for, as beasts of burden. The horses were their swift animals. The horses were their fiery animals. The horses was, were, were, the, were the beasts they used to fight. Mm, glory. Aren't you glad that that horse gate is right near that water gate? Aren't you glad that that, that warfare gate, that fighting the fight of faith gate is right next to that word gate? Glory be to God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It has this militaristic thing to it. Now, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read beginning with verse, oh, let me see. Ephesians chapter 6, might as well begin with verse 10. You all know this passage well, I hope. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, why do you have to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might? If all you're doing is sitting around watching television. You have to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. If there's some sort of resistance out there. If there's some sort of fight. If there's some sort of reason to have to be strong and ready. They're not just going to load Elijah up and send him off to Iraq or someplace like that. No, they got to take him to Pendleton and cut off all his hair. Make him do about... A thousand push-ups a minute. Get him strong. Teach him how to handle a weapon. Put the thing on and uh, t- put the thing together and take it down in the dark and all that kind of stuff. Stand on his head and do all the other things. That they, hey, but why? Because they want him strong. Because the fight is coming. You don't get a marine all trained up just so he can say, "Boy, ain't he pretty." You don't, train Marines, you don't train Marines for parades. You, I mean, parades are ancillary, but the fight is the thing. Yeah. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Did anybody tell you that you got saved, you were in for a fight? Well, if they didn't tell you, I, don't really, hate to, I really do hate to be the one to bring you bad news, but I, I'm telling you now, you got saved, you got into a fight. Yeah. Now, the fight's fixed. The referee is kin to us. The arena owner is our father. The judges are all over there. I mean, they're all on our side. And in fact, they've already made up their minds. The deal is already done. It's fixed. We win. Michael Johnson, one of the fastest men in the world from Dallas, Texas. When he showed up at the Olympics, they all knew. Running 400 meters, I think it was, 800 meters, fastest man, I mean, he was just like lightning. But you know what? If he had not shown up, they would not have given him the gold medal. If he had just said, well, you all know how fast I am. Just write it down how fast I am. Just, you know, I don't need to come all that way. Huh? No. They knew who was the fastest, and they knew who would win, but he still had to run. You are more than a conqueror, not because you're all that great. You're more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Jesus did all this, but you still have to show up and fight. Come on, shout amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you don't show up to fight, the devil's going to do everything he can to make you feel like a loser, make you think you're a loser, and take everything that God gave you away from you. The thief has no other purpose. He cometh not but for to steal Kill and destroy. There's no divine purpose back of him. 
God doesn't have him on a leash contrary to popular belief. Get him, boy. Like somehow he's an agent of God against his own children. If a father on this earth did that to his kids, they'd put him in jail for child abuse. Come on. God's on your side. And the devil is not. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord. And the power is might. Verse 11. i got to get past this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks or the, or the schemes, or evil devices, one translation says, of the devil. Read on. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Let's stop right there. The rulers of the darkness of this world. I want you to know what they're after. The rulers of the darkness of this world is an indication that the people who are still under the devil's rule, the key thing he's trying to get them, keep them in darkness over, is the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds, that is, darkened the minds of those who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The glorious gospel of Christ is light that shines. And it's just amazing how quickly a man can have his life completely turned around, completely revolutionized by the entrance of that word coming in. When that word comes in, something happens. Faith comes alive. When faith comes alive on the inside of you, you become a new creature. Glory be to God. They don't know what to do with you anymore. Especially that one out there that's in charge of the harvest. There's a law out there in charge of the harvest. Oh, you got to get this. One of the most important reasons why we have to be born again is so that we don't have to reap the bad seeds that we sowed in our ungodly life. Now see, you're not who you were. How many of you think you might have in your past planted some bad seeds? Bunch of liars. Everybody did. How many of you think you might have planted some bad seeds? Let me see your hand. Yeah, I want you to. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Now, you're not liars. That harvest has to go someplace. As long as the earth remains, there shall not cease to be seed, time, and harvest. Those things you did brought forth a harvest. But in the meantime, you got born again. Got a new nature, you're a new person, a new creation. And now the law of the harvest is dragging your harvest around, trying to find you. But he can't find you. Every time he shows up at an address that used to be yours, now nobody by that name here. Well, I got stuff for him. I got, I got a whole parcel of bad stuff that he deserves. Somebody said, Well, he didn't just move away, I heard he became a new person. Oh, oh. <laughs> you can even beat the laws of seed time and harvest. Some of you ought to be thanking God big time over that. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have a horse gate for war. 
This is our war. Not against flesh and blood. Sir, your mother-in-law is not really your problem. Come on, tell somebody, your mom-in-law is not your problem. Come on. Ma'am, your husband is not your problem. I didn't get one amen over that. I think I got <laughs> Your husband is not your problem. There's your problem. Principalities, powers. See, it's easier for us to take it out on some flesh and blood person. It's easy for you to take it out on some flesh and blood person because, I mean, you can see them. And if you punch them or scratch them or something, then you feel better for a little bit. That feeling better goes away, though, I'll tell you. That kind of feeling better goes away, and then worse feelings come. It's a very temporary itch. Very temporary help, I mean, scratching that itch. Because behind it are spiritual forces. Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's why the greatest, most successful evangelists in the world are successful. Because they've stopped being angry at men for being sinners. They started acting like God. He's no longer angry at sinners. He got over it when he poured all of his anger onto Jesus. You see, he knew. That's why we were redeemable and the devil is not. Because huh? he invented sin. You do know that, right? The reason you were redeemable is because you didn't invent sin. The devil did. And that's why he's not redeemable. Because if he redeemed him, he'd just invent it again. He's the father of all lies. And Jesus went on in saying that in John chapter 8 and verse 44. He told the Pharisees, they were of their father the devil. You're of your father who, the devil who's a father of all lies. And he was a murderer from the beginning. Well, who did he murder? Well, he murdered Adam. Caused him to die that day. Caused Eve to be separated from God that day. He killed mankind as far as, as, far as spiritually speaking is concerned. Wow, think about this. You wrestle not against flesh and blood. Every trouble that you have in this world probably has some sort of spiritual force behind it. I'm not saying that, you know, you need to look for a, a devil under, uh, under every bush. I, I'm not saying that. But just because you're not looking don't mean they're not there. <laughs> I heard a guy say that one time. He said, I'm not paranoid, but just because I'm not paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get me. <laughs> well... There are demon powers at work in the earth doing everything they can to destroy men's lives. But remember, the fight is fixed. The fight is already fixed. And you have won. I want you to look at somebody right in the eye and tell them, you really have already won this deal. Yes, you have. Someone asked me to tell this story, so I'm telling it. Terry Sparks and I, a few years ago, were living in central Texas. You all know Pastor Terry. He's my best friend. He was on television with me a few days ago. He, uh, he and I went to get our women breakfast. We'd spent the night together, and four of us. And we went to get breakfast for the ladies. A couple of he-men. Out with our big clubs, you know. Our zebra and leopard suits on we were actually driving a little compact car, but we, we, went, down to the, we went down there where, where the water buffalo hung out at HEB. 
and we were going to go in and get something to eat. When we pulled onto the parking lot, we heard a noise, a really unusual noise. It went like this. I said, what in the world is that real canny kind of voice? And we rolled down the window, and the voice was saying, I have been tampered with. I have been tampered with. I have been tampered with. Now, right off, I was turned off because it was such poor grammar. With on the end of a sentence. Okay, I thought I'd have to explain it. I have been tampered with. I have been tampered with. It just kept saying over and over and over. And I said, what is that, Terry? He said, I don't know. Oh, I know what that is, he said. That's one of those high dollar, now this is a number of years ago, that's one of those high dollar security systems. He said, somebody's tampered with a car, and that car's telling on them. I said, get out of here. <laughs> I used to watch Jerry Van Dyke when he had a talking car, but I don't, I never heard of such a thing. He said, no, 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 no. Oh, he said, they're real expensive. They just came out. He said, I read about it in Car and Driver. I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, man, look around. There'll be a Lexus or a new Cadillac or something like that sitting around. He said, because you do, oh, man, these are really expensive things. They're more than, worth more than your car. I said, well, okay. So we got out, found a parking space, and we're still hearing this noise the, over the entire parking lot. We get out, and, and, and we start walking toward the HEB grocery store entrance there, you know. And as we're approaching the door, a guy runs out and at an angle away from us. He's got his fob in his hand, you know, his little beeper thing, and pointing it over in that direction. We looked where he was pointing, and at the end of the point was a tiny little dried-up roller skate of a car. Probably looked like he might have given $15 for it. I said, that? And sure enough, that thing was screaming. I have been tampered with. I have been tampered with. And the owner comes running out there. Clickety-click. Terry Sparks started laughing. He laughed and he laughed and he hee-hawed and slapped his leg. I mean, he, back then he wore a toupee and by the time he was through laughing, it was sideways. He laughed and laughed and laughed. His, his hair crooked, I'm telling you. We went on and we got our breakfast burritos in there and brought a, started back out. And that parking place was still empty. That guy had gotten in his car and driven away. And Terry started laughing all over again. And it made me think, I just had this thought, that little car sitting there, really not worth much at all. But his owner thought so much of him that he paid a high price to have that security yeah. system. I may not look like much to you, just an old redneck from Oklahoma, but somebody loved me enough to pay a high price for my security, glory be to God. You're not who you are because you are who you are. You are who you are because he made you who you are. He considered you valuable. Don't you go around telling people, oh, I, I'm not worthy. Yes, you're worthy or Jesus wouldn't have died for you to be worthy. Glory be to God. He wouldn't have done what he did for you. 
He saw something in you that you couldn't see even in yourself. He saw something in you even your mama couldn't see in you. He loved you enough to make you a winner. We are more than conquerors through him that loved the devil. Don't you touch me. Somebody's listening when I call. I may not look like much, but I got a lot to say. I have been tampered with. Get away from me. Woo! Come on, shout it out. Get away from me. Hallelujah. And that's finally what Jesus said to the devil. Huh? Finally what he said. He rode that horse up there. You want to fight? Stabbed him three times with the word. And he finally said, get away from me. Rode that big steed off. The water gate means you have the word. And the horse gate means you've won the war. Stand up on your feet. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.